Man, it's such a wonderful time of year and part of what we have endeavored and what we desire as a church, we endeavor to enter into the story, which means you can't just throw something together and get caught up in sort of the, the secular tide of consumerism, but to immerse ourselves in the story of Jesus, in the story of the gospel. And I think one of the challenges as a church is to hold intention, introducing these stories to our children in a way that they can connect with it, in the way that they can, can see how much God loves us and, and the entry of God into the story of humanity through Jesus Christ. But then as adults, not allow this story to just be some sentimental nostalgia, uh, to just be some story that we tell our kids, but we don't see the connection in our everyday lives. And today, we just, we're just we keeping everything lighthearted because why be so serious at church? <laughs> uh, there's plenty of churches that you can be never smiling or ever laughing, and we just don't want to be that church. We want our children to be engaged and to be participants in all that's going on. But we as a church are, as adults, we, we're in serious times and we're in serious struggles. And the challenges of our world, the challenges that you're facing in your life, one of the challenges we have as adult Christians is to continually see the connection between the stories of the gospels and the stories of scripture and what that connects to and how that relates to everyday life. Uh, our world right now, it just seems like the only people that can make a difference are, quote, big people. Even children think that, you know, there's no way a child can make a difference. But even as an adult, we think that we're nobodies, we're insignificant nobodies, and only the big people, big government, big companies, big money, elites, they're the people that can make a difference. We're just stuck with the leftovers and stuck with the world they create. And the story of Jesus completely counters that narrative. It, when we actually engage in the story of Jesus, which is what our attempt in the season of Advent to do, it does not allow us to think that only big people make a difference. It doesn't allow us to think that uh, the, the challenges or you could say the darkness of our world has the final word or the final say. That the entry of Jesus into this world shows that it is the humble nobodies that get to be participants in God's story. So I'm going to read a couple portions of the story and then just give some reflections on what that would mean and what that looks like for us. Again, not just allowing it to be nostalgia or um, just a, a child's play, but actually see the, the, the messy dirtiness that, of real life that God is engaged in in this story. In Luke chapter 1, I'm going to start in verse 26. This is where the angel Gabriel comes to Mary. Verse 26, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. 
And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how how can this be since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am, your ser- I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And a few months later, the angel came to Joseph in Matthew's gospel, chapter one, It says this, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, that's a, anyway, it's an idiom. Uh, She was found to be with child with the Holy Spirit and her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to public shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. There's so many things in this story that um, in time are worth, are worth continuing to dig in, which is part of why you in your personal life and in your family need to spend time in these stories to dig out all the different features and all the different um, specific things that mean and connect something to you. But when I, when I read a story like this, and again, I look at the problems and issues of our world, we can think that um, all of these problems are too big for us or overwhelmed that uh, the, the problems that are in the world, all the people that seem to be trying to make a difference are only making it worse. And all the people that have the power or the money or the influence, they're the people that make change and we don't like the change they're making and we're just stuck with the results. When what I see in a story like this and the specific uh, people that are a part of this story is I see God connecting with and utilizing the nobodies. Mary, a teenage girl in the middle of nowhere. It's literally in the sticks. I mean, the word, the the name Nazareth comes from a Hebrew root word that means stick. She is from stick town. It's it's nowhere. This is nowhere in the world. Um, She's a teenager, uh, the, the most vulnerable of society, that she's a nobody until she gets married. Like in that kind of world structure, she, the only value she has is to, to bring forth sons for that family. So she's a nobody. Joseph is a, a poor blue collar worker of no real influence. And whatever, whatever standing they had in society was over when Mary was found to be with child before they had been officially married. And so you have nobodies that are the key players in God's story because God refuses to allow human arrogance to get the final word. That 
the, the mistaken idea that power or wealth or influence are really what makes you able to do something in this world, God completely bypasses human arrogance. He wants nothing to do with it. And so he picks the humble nobodies who will just say, I can't do anything anyway. So Lord, whatever you have, I wanna be a part of it. And so just a few reflections from this story. One is what God favors. What does God favor or who has God's favor? God favors faith. Because when the angel showed up, and an angel showing up's a big deal. It hadn't happened for a long time. It doesn't happen a, a huge amount of times in scripture. And so the, the few times it happens, it's kind of a scary thing and something really important's about to happen. And so an angel shows up to this teenage girl and says, you're the favored one. And she's a nobody from nowhere. And so she goes, it says that she was really kind of taken back by such a greeting and tried to discern what this means. What it means is that God favors faith. God doesn't favor influence, though you can have influence. God doesn't favor wealth, though you can have wealth. What God is looking for is not your ability to make things happen. What God's looking for is not your power, your influence, or your wealth. It is faith. Who gets in on what God is doing? The people who believe. And so the first kind of thing I see is that God favors faith. The second thing that I see is that God fulfills his promises. That there's so many times in our everyday life that we just think that maybe God has forgotten. That God seems to be working for other people, but like it's not working for me or that he made a promise so long ago and it's not happening yet, so maybe God has forgotten. And it's easy in our busy and hurried schedule in life to just think that we're, we're in it ourselves, that we have to make things happen. But here you have uh, over a thousand years in the, in the angel speaking to Mary saying that this child that'll be born from her, he will give, God will give the throne of his father David to. That is a promise that is a thousand years old. A thousand years to fulfill that promise. God is incredibly patient. Way more than us. And so when I, when I read a story like this, I look at all the ways that I'm in a hurry, that I think I have to make things happen, that I am not sure if God remembers, and I have to be settled down and reminded that I'm not in charge, and that God has made promises, and he will come through on them. He will be faithful to his word, and combining the first one with the second one, God favors faith and he fulfills his promises, who does he fulfill his promises for? Those who believe. And I look at Mary's response, and this is a teenage girl. And I don't know, societally speaking, we don't have super high expectations for the faith of teenage girls. But you need to see that like one of our forebearers, like one of the, 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 the saints of faith began as a teenage girl whose response to an incredible and impossible promise was, let it be to me according to your word. You said it, I trust you. And when I look at all the problems of our world, that really is our only response. 
Because I can't solve all the problems we're dealing with. There's things we can do, yes. But if we don't learn to first trust that God will be true to his word, then whatever action we commit, I don't know what that's gonna do. I don't know if that'll be very helpful. So even to our children and the children that are even here, you can be in on God's story. And it's simply those who trust, those who believe. God will fulfill his promises, but the people who get in on that are the ones who believe. And then the third thing that I see in this is that we are not alone. God is with us. And it's so easy to give in to the constant news cycle that the world is going under, everything's falling apart, and it's all your fault. (laughs) And there's so many things that you can just feel alone. Um, There's many of you who have direct family members that you've lost this year. And this year might be a tough year and celebrating the holidays might actually be a tough thing that, you know, we're trying to, to say, you know, we, we preach about joy and uh, we, 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 we try to keep things lighthearted or fun. And yet for you, you're just rolling around loneliness over and over and over. And what I see here is that in the darkest point of history, in the darkest moment, God shines the light. You're not alone. And that God took human suffering and struggle so seriously that he participated in it with us. And so that I cannot allow that to just be a childish story. I can have childlike wonder, but it's not just nostalgia or sentimentality. This is a serious story that says you're not alone. And part of how we work that out as a church is that we're to be there for one another. Those who've lost someone this year and are feeling the particular sting of being alone, that we need to be there with each other as a representation of God present with us, that he is Emmanuel, God with us. You're not alone. You're not in alone. You don't have to be alone. You don't have to go through it alone. You're not alone. God is with us. And then the climax in Luke 2, verse 8, in a non-speed round version, verse 8 of chapter 2. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. Look, all three times, all three angelic pronouncements that we read, every single one of them began one way. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God favors faith. He fulfills his promises. He's with us. And every single one of these are introduced by a simple declaration. Don't be afraid. Fear not. So what does heaven have to tell you right now in your darkest moment, in your greatest challenge, in your most difficult season? Don't be afraid. Fear not. For behold, I bring you gospel. Good news. Good news of great joy, 
that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This isn't just historic narrative. This is a story that proclaims the character and nature of Christ entering into his story. And our story joins with this story as we simply just receive these words. Don't be afraid, for to you is born this day a Savior. We have a Savior, a Savior to you, for you. Not a Savior for all the important people, all the other people that I'm on the outside of. No, to you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ, the coming King, the Lord, God made flesh, God with us, Yahweh with us. And so as, as we worship, as we sing, as we celebrate, as we have fun, as we engage in joy and laughter, we also don't just distract ourselves from the pain and suffering of the world or the challenges and trials we're in the midst of. We don't have to distract ourselves away from that because God has an answer about all those problems. He's with you and he's a savior. He will fulfill his promises and we're called to be people of faith. And however important, however influential, however wealthy or powerful you are, what God is looking for is faith in his people. And that's what kind of people we're gonna be. Amen. Would you stand with me as we sing again honoring the Lord. Lord Jesus, we celebrate you and that we remember that God, you love the world. And because you love the world, you sent your son. That whoever would trust, whoever would trust and put their faith in him. Hmm. We receive life eternal. That the darkness, the suffering, the pain, the tragedy, those do not have the final word. You have the final word. And let it be to us according to your word. We trust you, we love you, and we surrender to you as we honor you and your birth.